On today's episode of A Measure of Faith, I'm your host, Jacob Jones, the pastor of River City Pentecostals, located in Decatur, Alabama, and we are going to be talking about the oneness of God. The audio for this episode is from our last Sunday night service, where I preach a message entitled, At the Mention of His Name. I hope you are blessed by this message and increase your measure of faith. If you've ever asked yourself, is God real? Is there more to life? Are miracles possible? Then you're in the right place. Thank you for joining us today on this podcast. Here's your host, Jacob Jones, pastor of River City Pentecostals in Decatur, Alabama, hoping to increase your measure of faith with inspirational stories and the truth of God's word. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalm, chapter 145, verse 18. Psalm 145, verse 18. There's an old songwriter that once said, they sang a song that said, He's as close as the mention of His name. It's a beautiful song, but there's an even older songwriter that said it like this in the book of Psalm. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon Him. To all that call upon Him in truth, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Amen. You can be seated. The Lord is nigh unto them that call upon Him. He's as close as the mention of His name. It's such a beautiful picture, a word picture of of just how close God is to us. He's omnipresent. It means He's everywhere present all the time. So not only is He right here right now, He's also right here right now, but He's right here 10 seconds ago and He's right here 10 seconds from now. He's everywhere present all the time and He's as close as the mention of His name. If you just say His name, He's right there beside you. And the Bible says that He will hear your cry and He will save you. This is a promise that we have from the Word of God. If you call on His name, He said, I will be close to you. If you cry out to me, I will hear you. He's going to be right there with you. And so the question is, what name do I call? My title today is the mention of His name. The mention of His name. Uh, If I want God to be close to me, it says I've got to call His name. What name should I call? If He's the close, if He's as close as the mention of His name, then what's the name that I must mention? And God went by many names and titles in Scripture. He's the Alpha, the Omega, He's the Ancient of Days, He's the Great I Am, He's the Mighty God, He's the Everlasting Father, He is the Almighty God, He is the One who was and is and is to come, He's the I Am that I Am, and and He went by many names and many titles, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Rapha, and all of these names describe who God is, but there is a name of God. 
that he said is above every other name. There is a name of God that is closely associated with the nature of God. And to truly understand what his name is, I believe it's significant to have a revelation of the significance of that name that is above every name. It helps to have the Holy Ghost. The Bible says if you don't have the Holy Spirit, when you read this book, it's like you're you're looking at something foreign. But as you're full of the Holy Ghost, as you begin to read this Scripture, it becomes alive to you. The, the Bible is inspired by the Word of God. The Bible is inspired by His Spirit. And so when we read the Word of God without the Holy Ghost, it's easy for us to kind of twist things up and mix things up and mingle things that shouldn't be there. But if we are full of the Holy Ghost and you take away things that are outside the Bible, when I say outside the Bible, I'm talking about you hand me a track in the Walmart parking lot. That's nice. I handed out tracks before. But I ain't going to just take that track and, and equate it to this Bible unless I look through the Bible and compare it. If it contradicts the Word of God, I'm going to throw that track in the trash. I don't need that. I don't need anything extra. Everything that I need is in the Word of God. I don't care if a church says this is our statement of faith. If that statement of faith contradicts the Word of God, I don't want it. That's not my statement of faith. My statement of faith is right here. The Word of God. If it didn't come out of the mouth of the apostles, the prophets, or Jesus Christ, I don't want to read it. I don't want to equate it to the Word of God. There's no other book in the world like the Word of God. You you can't put nothing on top of this Bible. It's nothing can stand on top of this Bible. This Bible is the Word of God. It's got prophecies in it that have all been fulfilled. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they found the Isaiah scroll. Have you heard about that? The Isaiah scroll is the largest piece of scroll that they found that was completely intact. And when they found it, it was almost 200 years older than Jesus. And it's got prophecies in there about Jesus. You see, if we, if we took before that, if we took our manuscripts, you could have said, well, somebody wrote this after Jesus. But when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls and they said, wait a minute. No, everything that Isaiah said about Jesus happened before. He wrote it before it happened. But you pick up, pick up any other holy book, holy book as they call themselves. You can find false prophecy after false prophecy. Deuteronomy chapter 18 says that there is one test of a prophet. If he says something came from God and it does not come to pass, just one time Moses said, take him out out into the wilderness and cut him off from his people. In other words, kill him. That's, that's a false prophet. Don't listen to him. He said, you don't even have to be afraid of anything he said. If he says one thing, that's false. And the book of Revelation, or the book of the Bible has all kinds of prophecies in them. 
that have already come to pass. Many more we're starting to see in the book of Revelation that are coming to pass as I speak right now. It's very obvious that the prophets in the Old Testament, when they said something about Jesus, it happened. When they said something was going to happen, it happened. The prophets in this Bible were not false prophets. These men were inspired by God. But you pick up another book, like, for example, the Book of Mormon, and you can find every single one of the prophets in that book has at least one, if not a dozen things that they claimed would happen that did not happen. I don't want to listen to a false prophet. If they got one thing wrong, it means they're a false prophet according to my Bible. And so the only thing that I am going to judge doctrine on is this book right here. The, the Word of God says that it is good for doctrine, for rebuke, for reproof. This book right here alone is all I need for doctrine. Amen. I don't need another book. I don't need another statement of faith. I don't need some council to get together and decide what they want to believe, even if it's what they want to believe about this all I need is the Bible alone. And in the Bible, it explains the nature of God very clearly. And when you understand the nature of God, you will understand what His name really is. And you will understand the significance of that name. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, Paul warned about people who would come along and try to mess up the doctrine of the nature of God. He said in verse 8 of Colossians chapter 2, Beware! lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That word Godhead is the nature of God. It's His Godhood. In the body of Christ dwell all the fullness of God. It was all of God. Not one third of God. Not part of God. He wasn't a demigod. Jesus was God. Manifest in the flesh. The Bible says to teach doctrine. Isaiah chapter 28 verse 10 Isaiah said here's how you teach if you want to teach doctrine he said you take a precept and you put it upon another precept you take a line and you put it upon another line precept upon precept line upon line here a little there a little what he's saying is a precept is a rule he said you take one rule you can stack it on top of another one and that bottom rule is the foundational rule that you're going to start with. I can take something else from the Bible and I can stack it on top of it and they're not going to fall down. It's not going to contradict each other. The Word of God cannot contradict itself. It, it, it would fall apart. But this Bible has stood the test of time. And the Word of God is very clear about the nature of God. But the first thing I want to do as I'm teaching about the nature of God, and this is going to feel maybe less like a Sunday night service and more like a Wednesday night service, but this is what God told me to talk about tonight. I know there's been questions about this topic recently, and, and I'm going to try to answer some of them tonight. We'll answer some of them in, in Bible studies as well. But I want to start with this rule. 
And Isaiah said, put rule upon rule. The first rule is this. The word of God cannot contradict itself. That's the bottom line right there. That's the rule we're going to put on the bottom. We're going to put everything else I say tonight on top of that. The Bible says in many places that God cannot lie. It says He is not a man that He can lie. If God says something that you think is a lie, when He says it, it becomes truth. When He said, let there be light, there was light. If He speaks something, it becomes truth. Because He is truth. God cannot lie he cannot contradict himself so rule number one tonight god cannot contradict himself the next rule i'm going to stack on top of that if you're taking notes rule number two is god is one there's only one god this is something that he drilled into his people in the old testament i'm going to read probably 50 verses at the end of this lesson if we have time that i will cover where it says over and over and over again that god is one and when i go through these rules i'm not going to every single time i'm not going to read a hundred verses because time would fail me i would be here all night but i'm telling you i'm going to give you one verse and we know that rule number one is that the bible isn't going to contradict itself rule number two god is one i could go to a hundred verses right now but my favorite is when god told his people he was warning them about a day when people would not believe what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And then watch how important he says it is. He said, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and you shall teach them diligently unto thy children, Thou shalt talk about them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. You shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and you shall they shall be as frontless between your eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. If you go to Israel today, the Jews have it written on every doorpost. And every time they walk out the door, they reach up and touch it and say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. When they sit down to eat and they pray, they say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. When they tuck their children in the bed, they say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You gotta understand, when God called Abraham out from amongst all the pagan nations, this was something profound. When He told him, you're gonna serve one God and only one God, nobody else was doing that. If you study the history of religions and, and that area of Mesopotamia, and I don't, I don't have time, I'll go down a rabbit trail. I love it, this is my favorite subject. But you study it out, and the Sumerians were the first ones to come up with a tritheistic God, and the and the Babylonians and 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 all of them, and the Egyptians. They went and when they conquered somebody, they took their God. This is nothing new. The devil has been trying to get people to to not believe this simple statement. God is one. God is one. God is one. He's been trying since the beginning of time to try to, to get you just to look a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right. But it says it time and time.
time again through Scripture. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The next rule, I'm going to stack on top of that because I'm talking about the nature of God. Rule number three. God is holy God. God is a holy God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, Peter said, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God said, I want you to be holy because I'm holy. God is holy. He's a holy God. And since God can't lie and He said He's holy, He's holy. I'm not gonna, we're not gonna question. Nobody's questioning the fact that God is holy. But let's remember that. God is holy. Not part of God. God is holy. Rule number four. God is a spirit. Seems obvious. But let me just lay it down very simply because it's easy to get things twisted. John 4.24 says, God is a spirit. And they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So if God is holy and God is a spirit, then God is a holy spirit. And this is profound. It, it shouldn't be this dramatic. But it seems so simple after I just read that. But I got to say it. There's only one holy spirit. God is the only holy spirit. You cannot find in Scripture where God said, I am a Holy Spirit, and then there is also another Holy Spirit. There is only one God. My God is holy, and my one God is a spirit. Therefore, God, the same God that created everything, that framed the world with His words, that spoke to Moses from the burning bush, is a holy God, and He is a spirit. There is not another holy spirit. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where there is another holy spirit that is co-equal and co-eternal with my one God. God there is only one God and he is holy and he is a spirit but I can take you to scripture where Paul said when you receive the spirit you've got the same spirit as me I can take you in scripture that says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit in you I can take you to scripture that says there's only one spirit but I can't find one that says you know what God's a spirit God's holy there's another Holy Spirit. No, I don't find that. God is holy and He is a spirit. And spirits are invisible. You can't see them. That's why the Bible says that Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. Jesus is the manifestation of the Spirit of the one true God. If God wants us to see Him, He's a spirit. You can't see him. He has to manifest himself in some way. If you want to see God, the Bible says no man has seen God and lives. If you want to see God, he's got to manifest himself. He did that many times. As an angel to Abraham, as an angel to Jacob twice, as a man to Isaiah, as an angel to Isaiah, as a burning bush to Moses, as a cloud, a, a pillar of, 
of smoke to the children of Israel, a pillar of fire to the children of Israel, as a dove descending on Jesus and Jesus. There's one difference between Jesus and the rest of these manifestations of God's Spirit. And that is, the difference is that Jesus wasn't just an ordinary man. He was the mediator between God and man. So we're going to add some more stuff to our rules about the nature of God. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5 says, This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. And I am a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. That's Paul speaking to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.5. So we're going to add some more rules to our list. Precept upon precept. Let's add two more lines. Well, let me recap first. The word of God cannot contradict itself. God is one, Deuteronomy 6.4. God is holy, 1 Peter 1.16. God is a spirit, John 4.24. Number five, Jesus was a man. We just read it. The man, Christ Jesus, in 1 Timothy 2.5. And number six, it says, there is one mediator between God and man. So if God is a spirit, and we just clearly read that Jesus is a man. Jesus has flesh, but God does not. Then the flesh that Paul is speaking about in this next scripture that I'm going to read in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the flesh he's talking about has to be the body of Jesus because he said there's only one mediator. 1 Timothy 3, 16. And without controversy, without controversy great is the mystery of godliness god was manifest in the flesh whose flesh jesus he's the only mediator between god and man god was manifest in the flesh listen to this justified in the spirit seen of angels preached unto the gentiles believed on in the world, and then received up into glory. God was manifest in the flesh. Paul says that's the mystery of godliness. Paul also talks about another mystery in Scripture called the mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity is exactly the opposite of the mystery of godliness. Because the mystery of godliness tells about how God was manifest in the flesh. Why? Because He needed to feel our infirmities. Why? Because He needed to die for our sins. Why? Because as a Holy Spirit, He couldn't die. He couldn't shed His blood. He couldn't taste death for everyone, as the Bible says. God became a man to save your soul. But the mystery of iniquity, Paul says, is when the son of perdition going to walk into the temple one day and he's going to claim to be God you see the opposite there God became a man to save us but the devil 
is going to inhabit a man. He's going to be manifest in the flesh also. It's funny, we have Satan being manifest in the flesh, but we don't have a trinity of devils. <laughs> it's like we don't worship Satan, the father of lies, the son of perdition, the spirit of the Antichrist. No, it's just one devil. It's the same devil. The same one that was cast down from heaven like lightning. He's going to put himself in the body. He's going to possess a man. That man is going to be the Antichrist. Called the son of perdition. That man's going to walk into the temple after it's rebuilt. He's going to perform the abomination of desolation and claim that he is God. That's the same thing that Satan has been doing since the beginning of time, since before the dawn of time. He's been trying to steal God's throne. He wants to elevate himself to be like God. His message is this in the Garden of Eden. If you eat of that tree, you'll be like God. His message is this. You do your will. Don't listen to his will. His message is this. I'm going to become, I'm going to take a man and become God. But God's message is different. He said, I'm going to become a man and I'm going to die on a cross for you. The message of God is this. I am your Savior. I want my blood to be shed for you. I want to pay the penalty for your sins. God was manifest in the flesh. And some would have you to believe that only part of God did that. Only one third of God did that. Or maybe He was a demigod. Maybe He was half God. Maybe He was just some subordinate or some co-equal co co-pilot co-something no jesus was not some co-pilot co-god demigod we just read it at the beginning beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy that's where this came from it came through greek philosophy it came through men sitting around taking their ideas about a multiplicity of gods and trying to fit that into the Bible instead of looking at the Word of God and reading Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. God was manifest in the flesh. Paul said, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. After the traditions of men. This was a prophecy. He said after the rudiments of the world, was he talking about paganism? That's where all this started. I told you it started long before God called Abraham out of paganism. This was all before any of He said if somebody spoils you through all of that, philosophy, tradition, paganism, and not after Christ, he said, For in him dwelleth not some, not part, not one third, but all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Jesus, 
He was a man who could feel our infirmities. He could cry when Lazarus died. He could feel, he could feel the pain on the cross. He could shed blood. He could get tired and sleep. He suffered like you and because he was a man, but he was no ordinary man. Some said he was Elias. Some said he was John raised from the dead. Others said he's one of the prophets, but Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He recognized who he was. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a man. He was more than that. He was God manifest in the flesh. You can't change it. You can't twist it. I see it all the time when when Jesus said to Philip, you go to John chapter 14. It's hard to go to John chapter 14 and not be oneness. You go to John chapter 14, Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. The comfort, obviously, he just said, is the Holy Spirit. He said, "I'm gonna, right now I'm with you, but soon I'm going to be in you. Jesus said, I'm going to be in you. How is that? Wait, I thought it was the Holy Spirit. This, you get all confused when you start bringing in philosophy and traditions of men. But if you just listen to Jesus, he said, I'm going to be in you. It's me. It's, it's all me. I, the, all the fullness of the God is in him. Philip said, show us the, when are you going to show us the Father, Jesus? And Jesus said, Philip, you've been with me these three years and you don't know already? You haven't figured it out? Peter figured it out. You didn't figure it out. You don't know who I am? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember, you couldn't look God in the face. He's a spirit. He's invisible. But the Bible says that Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. He is the visible manifestation of God. When you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. Hallelujah. You can't... I I love looking at commentary on Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, because it's always empty. Because most of your commentaries don't agree with the stuff that I'm preaching right now. They... They agree with some council that got together in the 4th century. They'll agree with a statement of faith from somebody that, that wasn't an apostle. They'll, they'll agree with all of them, but they won't agree with Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, when it says that all the fullness of the Godhead dwell in Christ bodily. That doesn't match up with, with any other scriptures. And so you go to commentary about Colossians 2, and it's like... I don't have anything else I can say about that. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 46, He said, There is no one equal to me. None beside me. He he doesn't have an equal. There's only Him. And no matter how you add it up, there's only one God. You can't ever make three equal one. There's only one God. The same God that created everything, that framed the world with His words, was manifest in the flesh. The same God that created everything, that that framed the world with His words, put His Spirit inside of me. He didn't send another Spirit. It's His Holy Spirit. He said, I am going to put my Spirit inside in you, not some other spirit. Joel chapter 2, he, he prophesied, he said, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Not some other spirit. His spirit. 
when we understand the nature of God, we can finally understand His name. Because Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. You go to the Old Testament, God said every knee shall bow to me. You go to the New Testament, and Paul said at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. You go to the Old Testament, God said I am the Alpha, the Omega. You go to the New Testament, Jesus said, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the First, and the Last. You go to the Old Testament, God says, I alone am your Savior. You go to the New Testament, wait a minute, what's happening? How, how, is this a contradiction? No, there's no contradiction. He's trying to show you who Jesus is. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Well, we got two Lords here. Is this another Lord? No. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's the same Lord. He's the same Lord. He was manifest in the flesh. When, when the angel went and spoke to Mary and Joseph, he said, that holy thing within you shall be called the Son of God. It was the body of Christ that was begotten of the Holy Spirit. That will confuse you as well because I thought the Father was the Father, but it was the Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary. So is it the Holy Spirit that's the it's not confusing when you understand that God is the Holy Spirit. There's not another Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and she, that virgin birth occurred and they said this is the Son of God. That baby that was born from her is the Son of God. Why? Because He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, verse 14 says, and that word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. The word became flesh. It was the flesh that was begotten of the Father. But that flesh was not just a normal man. It was a man that was full of the nature of everything about God, all the fullness of God dwelt in that body. That's the mystery of godliness. I don't know how God did it. I don't know how He put every bit of Him inside of Jesus, but that didn't make Him no longer omnipresent. He was still everywhere else. He's omni He can be in this room right now, manifested in His Spirit. We can feel His Spirit here. And somebody on the other side of the world can still feel... God is not limited by time and space. We can't put Him into these boxes. But God, when you do that, you start getting off all these, these, these false doctrines where you're like, well, if He was in there and, and all of a sudden the voice from heaven said, this is my Son, there must have been two of them. No. See, when you start to think that way, you start thinking tritheistically. And God said, no, I, I'm bringing you out of that. I'm only one God. There's only one God. He can be over there and over here at the same time. He's still one. God. He can fill me with His Spirit and you with His Spirit. He's still one God. And His name is Jesus. He had a lot of names. But all of it 
is summed up in the name of Jesus. And when you study what that word means, it's, it comes from the name that he gave to Moses, I am that I am, Yahweh. It, it, that's part of the name of Jesus. And the other part of the name of Jesus is my salvation. You see, when you say Jesus, you're saying that God is my Savior. You don't have to also still say Jehovah Jireh, which means God is my provider. Because if I need something, my Savior is going to give it to me. You don't have to say Jehovah Rapha, which means God is my healer. Because if I need healing, my Savior is going to do that. The Bible says that we are healed by His stripes. <laughs> by, when he was wounded for my transgressions. And by His stripes. When I say Jesus... I'm encompassing all of the names that God ever had. That's why He said that's the name above every name. Yeshua. It doesn't matter what language you say it in. You say it in Hebrew, it's Yeshua. You say it in Greek, it's Jesus. You say it in English, it's Jesus. In Spanish, it's Jesus. In Korean, it's Jesus. However, whatever language you say it in, it's got power. There's power in the name of Jesus. In that name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. In that name demons have to flee. And He is as close as the mention of that name. He's as close. He said if you, if you call my name, I'll answer. Well, what's that name? What's that name? What's the name? Oh... Ephesians 4 and 5. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Isaiah 43, 10. Before me no God was formed, neither shall there be after me. Zechariah 14, 9. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, the Lord will be one, and His name one. Mark twelve thirty two. And the scribes said to them, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that He is one and there is no other beside Him. Hosea 13 and 4. But I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. You know no God but Me. And beside Me there is no Savior. Wait a minute. If Jesus is the Savior, you're saying He's not beside you? No. He's saying I'm your Savior and I was in Jesus. Jesus is God manifest in the flesh beside him there is no savior isaiah 44 24 i am the lord who made all things who alone stretched out the heavens who spread out the earth by myself revelation 4 2 at once i was in the spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven and there was three seated on the throne that, oh i read that wrong there was only one on the throne. John saw heaven. He already told us what's going to be there. Jesus is on the throne. He said there's one. It's funny because if you study this how, because Ezekiel saw heaven too. And he said when he looked at it, he saw a bright light. He couldn't even look at it. Why? Because the Bible said no man has seen God and lived. Ezekiel was trying to look at it. It's so bright. He couldn't. He looked away. But when John had the same vision, he said, I saw one sitting on the throne. It was the Son of Man. James chapter 2, verse 19. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Ephesians 4, 6. There is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Isaiah 44 and 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His 
Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. First Timothy 2, 5, there is one God. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Malachi 2, 10. Have I read enough? I got 50 more. Have we not all one Father? Hath not one God created us? Isaiah 45, 18. I am the Lord and there is no other. God didn't make this vague. He made it very clear. Isaiah 44, hey, uh, is there a God beside me? There is no rock. I know not any. Isaiah 44 and 3, I am the Lord and beside me there is no Savior. 1 Corinthians 8 and 4, there is no God but one. That's not a complete list. I could keep going. But I think you get the point. I can't find another verse that mentions the words Trinity, co-equal, or co-eternal. I can't find a scripture that says there's another Holy Spirit besides God. I can't find a scripture that says there's three thrones in heaven, but I can find one that says there's one. I can't find a scripture that says that we should baptize in the three titles of God because He is our Father. He became the Son, and He is our Holy Spirit. But He said in Matthew 28, 19, that you need to be baptized in the name of the Father. The name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now you'll notice in Acts, they didn't baptize Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They did what He said, because they knew what the name was. In, in Acts 4.12, they said, There is no other name given among men under heaven and earth, whereby we must be saved besides the name of Jesus. They knew what the name was, so they baptized in the name of Jesus. But why would Jesus say, Baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because they understood. Philip said, show us the Father. He said, I, I am. That's who I am. And, 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 and Peter recognized who he was. He took Peter, James, and John up onto a mountain and showed him who he was. He sat them down and told them things pertaining to the thing. They had this inside relationship with God. They knew who he was. And they didn't confuse it. Because... Isaiah 9, 6 tells us. It's a scripture talking about Christmas, the birth of Jesus. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Wait a minute, Isaiah. I think you're confused here. You just said that that son, which we know he's talking about Jesus, because he said the government shall be upon his shoulder. It was a prophecy about Jesus. You just said his name is going to be the mighty God. You just said his name is going to be the everlasting Father. How does that make sense? It makes sense when you begin to realize that Jesus 
was God manifest in the flesh. When you understand the nature of God, you'll understand the name of God. The name of God is Jesus. The name of God is Jesus. That's why he said baptize in the singular name. He didn't put an S on it. He said the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We know the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. And we know the Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit there's only one spirit and jesus said in math in john chapter 14 i'm here with you now in person but i'm about to be in you and then he ascended to heaven they went to jerusalem they began to pray and all of a sudden that promise that he gave them happened and the holy spirit fell on them And they were filled with God's Spirit, not another Spirit, not a third Spirit. It was God's Spirit that filled them all. And it was the Spirit of Christ. If you read the beginning of the book of Acts, and see, I I read all the verses that are very explicitly saying God is one. But as you begin to get this revelation, you start to read, you see it everywhere. The beginning of the book of Acts, Luke says, Hey, Theophilus, you know, I'm paraphrasing it, but he said, I wrote that first book talking about the gospel of Luke. I wrote that to tell you everything that Jesus began to do and teach when he was here in person. And then he said, but this book here is what he continued to do through his spirit. It's still Jesus. The book of Acts is still a story about Jesus. He just left, ascended into heaven He put His Spirit into millions of people so that they could go around and do what He was doing. Everyone. That's why He said these signs shall follow them that believe. We're going to do the same things He said that I did. In fact, He said in John chapter 14, not only are you going to do what I did, greater things. You're going to do greater things. It doesn't mean that things we're doing are better. Greater in that context meant you're going to do more. Why are we going to do more? Because there's more of us. Jesus he he tried to get away from, if you look if you read it Jesus tried to get away from the crowd so many times because he was being stretched as far as one human being could stretch he had nowhere to lay his head he went out to the desert one time to get away from people and they followed him out in the desert he couldn't get away from them he'd go up mountains to get away from him he'd cry to cross the sea of Galilee to get away from him get over there and they're on the other side they they couldn't he, they wouldn't leave him alone and he and he loved to minister to them but his body was it had to sleep it had to eat he 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 prayed in the garden of gethsemane until there was great drops of blood he pushed that body to the limits and he said i've got to go back to heaven so that i put my spirit in you and then you and you and you and you can do greater things that's the message of the mystery of godliness god became a man the mystery of iniquity is when man tries to become God. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand? At the mention of his name. The songwriter said he's as close as the mention of his name. But his name is not father. It's, that's a title. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a son. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. Uh, some people call me friend. I got a lot of titles, but my name is Jacob Jones. And if I write you a check and I sign it, Father, they won't cash that check. If you get baptized in the name of the Father, it doesn't, it's not the same. 
you've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. That's the name above every name. And when you understand the nature of God, you understand the significance of that name. That name that's above every name. That name that every knee shall bow down. Every tongue shall confess. Oh, at the mention of that name, demons have to flee. At the mention of that name, we have the victory. At the mention of that name, He is so close. He said, I will hear your cry. He's close by in this place tonight. He said in another place, He said, if my people, which are called by my name, so thankful to know his name if they will humble themselves and pray i wonder if we would do that tonight i wonder if we would humble ourselves tonight and begin to pray